This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot. I'm Andy Vanny, and I'm here with my sister, Heather Halgrimson. Heather, how are you doing? Hey, Andy, I'm doing good. Good, good. So we were just chatting beforehand about we, we have a cruise coming up with some family uh, and we're kind of gearing up for that, getting getting in the mind space and getting some things in order. So I think we will have next episode. I don't know if we mentioned this, but we're, we've switched to like every two weeks recording just to give it a little more time to research because... None of us, neither of us are doing this, obviously, as a full-time thing, and uh, I don't think there's any potential that we would in the future, or, I mean, not in the near future anyway, so it, it is nice to have a little more time to, uh, yeah, have space for that, but we should have, it's kind of in between our recording time, so we probably won't miss any episodes between then. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's in between, assuming we can do research in the interim time there but uh yeah i mean there's even potential of recording while we're there but like exactly like christmas holidays i don't think either of us will be i don't think it's gonna be happening (laughs) yeah it's like coming at you from the boat yeah i don't think so let's be real yeah exactly um (laughs) so today we're talking about reciprocity and ai and the idea here is like this is the idea that the way we interact with machines, AI, technology in general, is different than how we interact with humans. But as AI grows in complexity, like maybe that's going to change or maybe it needs to change. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, we'll, we'll have some quick updates. Uh, you had one about uh, ChatGPT in the classroom. Yeah, I listen to Hard Fork every week. And um, I think it's my favorite sort of tech-related podcast, well, aside from ours, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. And um, so they interviewed someone last week who is using ChatGPT in her um, advanced creative writing class in high school. And she's using it um, to help the students um, like ask prompts and make lists and format an essay and then just kind of like putting it into chat GPT. She was just calling it chat. Like it was cool. She had a nickname for it. It was kind of nice. (laughs) (laughs) And, and using it as a way to sort of like build the question asking capacity in the students, because I, I do think that is a real skill is that it's to me, that's what I, when I thought people were saying, like it just sort of completely replaces the need for writing. That might be true, but I, I don't, I think that, Asking good questions is as much of a skill and a good skill to have. So changing the prompt so you get a different output. The other thing that she noted is that it was quite poor at this point at generating anything that was very long. It was only like three, four paragraphs. Right. So it at this point won't write your thesis. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I know that some um, public school districts have banned the use of chat GPT. Um, but hers obviously was not that. And um, she also talked about the age limits potentially because younger kids just might not know how to deal with it, manipulate it or understand the output. Right. Um, and I almost felt like we were having a conversation about like calculators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this sort of calculators, like look what they can do. It's crazy. No one's going to learn math anymore. 
Um, and I, I guess you could make that argument, but that's sort of how I saw it, not to just say, like, I'm not worried about it at all, and it's a great tool in the classroom. But um, I don't think that it existing means that people won't learn how to write creatively in the same way that calculators existing doesn't mean that people know or can manipulate numbers. Yeah. Um, they might be poor at doing it, like the technical manipulation, but that doesn't mean that they can't uh, come up with some equations or things that prove, th I don't know, what is the final output of math, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so one one benefit of having a little more time between episodes is I was able to listen to this episode, and I've definitely subscribed. It, it's uh, a very interesting podcast, and it's it's funny how, like, I'm subscribed to a lot of podcasts and somehow this one wasn't on my radar where, where it's totally in my uh, in the sweet spot of things I, I'm interested in. Um, and one of the things I thought was interesting that she brought up was how it can be very good at like reviewing some writing, like saying, pointing out like what is wrong with a certain thing or like giving you some kind of gut check review. And I, so I actually, I have been using it uh, more and more lately, just as, so even with this episode, I was like, okay, tell me what you think reciprocity in AI is, like, what are the factors? And it was pretty boilerplate, like, it wasn't good output, but it was, like, enough to get me thinking, you know, kind of get my brain warmed up a little about, like, even the, the re reflex of, like, reviewing it is kind of helpful like oh what's it missing what's it that kind of stuff so i think it i think it is a really cool um it's a cool thing uh yeah 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 i think it's exciting too i personally haven't used it i actually tried to like open it up and it just said that it was like having issues and there was like too many people using it oh okay as i was like okay i guess i can't get in so uh <laughs> yeah. i'll try again and let you know yeah i would highly recommend it because it's it's like any any kind of writing task i think her perspective on it was exactly the perspective you need to have and i think th this has been brought up in a lot of articles and reviews is like it, it's it's not good as an end unto itself but it is really good as a generative tool or a, like an assistant to get you started or give give you the outline or stuff like that like that it's like, um, yeah, it really is this like assistant, you know, it's, it's not going to do your work for you. It's not good for like things that people are scared. It's, you know, um, going to be used for like cheating. It's not really good for that because it produces some obvious wrong results. There was actually a new episode of number file I just watched yesterday that, um, had an interview with a um, professor Moriarty and he he's like uh, basically like outlining like what it's good at what it's not like it's it's gonna give you obviously wrong results but it's gonna give you some surprisingly thorough good starting points yeah yeah and sometimes that's all you need to unstick your brain because the daunting task of a blank page i yeah. don't think needs to be stated <laughs> that is one of the scariest things you can do is you're like i'm gonna write something a piece of content or pitch or something and you just need to write something yeah and it's hard so throwing some random prompts 
into there to get you started, to get you flowing so that you can edit, that you can work with, that you can sort of manipulate can be an excellent tool, I think. Yeah, and I think some people work much better that way, which is like why some people work really well in groups is that they can just start start talking. They're going to like have wrong, like you're, you're going to start in the wrong place, but by talking it through, you kind of refine your ideas. And like the, the process of reviewing the output and then revising your own problem statement is actually super helpful. It's this, uh, yeah. in, in, I don't know if this is a common metaphor, but in, in programming circles, there's like the rubber duck metaphor where you, somebody like, it's actually, there's a, like a verb for it, like rubber ducking. It's basically <laughs> just have, have someone else in the room that you can talk to. But, uh, but the idea is like someone had like one of the little rubber duck bath toys they talk to it that duck? they would put okay. on their desk and just talk to it. It's like, hey, man, talk through you... the, yeah, talk <laughs> okay. through the problem with the duck. The duck doesn't have to respond in any way, but it it's helpful just to like uh, refine your problem statement rather than just blindly plunging in and writing or doing whatever task, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So ChatGPT can be a rubber duck for yeah. you. I recommend it. I will try using it this week for sure. I, in my day job, um, do a lot of niche topics that don't have a lot of content written about them. So I am interested to see what it comes up with. And I will let you know how good it is. Awesome. Yeah, I I don't like hold your hold your breath that it's going to do everything for you for sure. (laughs) Because it it comes up with some obviously bad ideas or like, Wrong okay. I will stuff. try to hit it with a blog kind of outline sort of thing for something I have kicking around and we'll see how it yeah. ends up. Okay. Sounds I do good. have a, um, a coder joke for you actually okay. that I've saved. So I hope you find this funny if you haven't heard this before. So I saw it on like Instagram reels and the one guy, there's these two guys and the one guy's like, I'm going to the store. You need anything? And the guy said, yeah. Can you check if they have that bread I like? And he says, okay, cool. And then he... Um, later he's like, yeah, I'm leaving. And the other guy says, hey, oh, and if they have bananas, get four. He's like, right, okay. He comes back and the other guy's like, why did you buy four loaves of bread? And he says, they had bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like it all makes logical sense, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's good. I'm going to have to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's totally what programming a computer can be like. You're like, that's... <laughs> you formulate the problem you're like okay this makes sense I'll add this piece and then yeah it totally changes the logic of the previous piece in yeah the, exactly ways. <laughs> so the implication is get four bananas but he never said get four bananas he yeah. said get four and it yeah. referred to the loaf of bread so he got four <laughs> loaves of bread yeah. that was the original referential thing awesome. and they never said get four bananas <laughs> so they had bananas so he got four loaves of bread <laughs> <laughs> love it that's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. For my update, I, I was kind of, I didn't really have much, but uh, podcasts, I, I, I thought I'd throw out another podcast recommendation because why not? I don't know if you've heard this one, but it's uh, Dear no. Hank and John. Um, so they, they are two brothers that are both authors and both like YouTube content creators sort of thing. And so they're, it's, their podcast is kind of about a lot of things really but like they they often come to the topic of like 
mental health, keeping your sanity and productivity in a world that like actively <laughs> can harm that. Um, and I, I, I thought there was, uh, the, the latest episode had some good, um, good points on, on that kind of topic. Um, and I, I didn't put it in the notes, so I'm just looking at my phone. So the episode number is 358. And the title, for some reason, is My Heart Muscles Chiseled. <laughs> Not really relevant to it, but like at the start, they talk about that. <laughs> the, okay, I, I do remember why it's called that. Because the, the, one of the questions was like, why, when you're working out, does your heart heart muscle not get super buff? And like, because yeah. you're working out and working it out. But yeah. It, yeah. Um, Maybe so, it is buff. I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, exactly. It, I don't know. Maybe that's the only part of me that's like really super buff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the quote I really liked, like at near the start, they were talking about like overcoming challenges. And so there was one quote that's like that you don't get the benefit of progress until you take the time to notice the progress. And I thought that was like interesting in that like, I've been trying to like measure and come back and this is kind of ties into the yearly themes thing where it's like, are you making progress on a thing if you, you know, it's like the tree falls in the forest type metaphor, right? Like if you're, if you're not tracking this stuff or coming back and reviewing, uh, I don't think you really get the benefit of it. So I liked that perspective. Uh, yeah, I had, we have staff meetings every week and that was essentially what my update was, is that progress is hard to notice because you always think you haven't made any progress until suddenly you look at yourself in a different light and then you realize like the things I wanted five years ago, I got. Right. And I worked for them and I, I built it and I, and I, I have it. Yeah. Now. And then sometimes you're like, I... I wanted, I did want this. It, <laughs> it yeah. seems like a lot, um, but you know, yeah. it's, yeah, it is very true. And it can just be like easy to think about something as like only, like I only did this or then I only did that or I only, and then keep building and then suddenly realize that you've done something huge um, just by taking it sort of step by step. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to mention about Dear Hank and John is I've kind of like, when we started this podcast, I kind of thought of that as a bit of a template of like our own podcast, just because okay. it's like, they, obviously, they have the benefit of like 15 years of content creation and being much more refined WNYC <laughs> studios yeah and a whole studio <laughs> system backing them up and all, all this stuff all, all these things that we don't have but in yeah. in spirit it was kind of like oh this is interesting you know siblings just talking <laughs> so yeah okay uh, yeah that's probably all on that um yeah no that's great yeah so our main topic reciprocity when you brought this one up, I was kind of like, I don't really know what we'd talk about. But uh, as, as I was getting into the, you know, digging into it a little more, I think it's a really interesting um, perspective on, on AI and technology in general, like how do we relate to it? Um, yeah. 
This is the topic that is the most based on just sort of a flimsy thought that I had. Yeah. So that sometimes leads to a great discovery and sometimes leads to like a total, like just a a thing that is just a circle that I'm just like run around in and don't discover anything new. So sometimes the sort of thought that pops up is exciting and sometimes it's like kind of pointless and not worth investigation. So I'm glad that you went with it and thought this is worth looking at. Yeah. The reason, so the initial thought that came into my mind is that when I, I was asking people kind of for favors or to be part of something that I was building, this is cohort group yeah. of something, we're going to work on something for eight weeks. That's what I'm going to do right after this. And I was asking them for like a favor, kind of. It's, you know, I'm like, propose it to you. It's work time, whatever, like just position it how you want. This is important stuff that we're working on. But I felt as if I was requesting something from them, knowing that they were a human, yeah. and thinking the thoughts and feelings that they would have, anticipating those thoughts and feelings, and and also just mixing what the ask was with their ambitions as well and goals. Because I think in terms of relating to machines and AI, something that I've been thinking a lot about is the lack thereof of goals. Um, because that was what came about in that one um, book that I was reading. I'm totally blanking on right now. It'll come to me where it talked about basically the AI apocalypse is not going to be what we think it is because AI doesn't have what is the human equivalent of a like a hindbrain, right. the cerebellum that's trying to survive and reproduce and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't yeah. have these survival mechanisms. It just It just does a task. So I was thinking of, without a survival mechanism, like how do we treat and interact with with machines and knowing that we can abuse them as much as we want with no consequences, because it's not really abuse because they don't have goals <laughs> or standard of living right. or whatever. Um, yeah, so just thought, like wonder if we could just use this platform to look at that. Like what does that reciprocity look like, back and forth communication, like people like, you know, children demanding things of Alexa and then maybe demanding things in their own life like maybe that's a thing maybe it's not yeah um, and then you know as we have virtual assistants like then we can just kind of use them maybe or just treat them like a nothing and you know maybe that will be a big part of our work interaction is like working with sort of bots that assist us and sort of managing our assistants I, I don't know I just thought it was worth it was worth a look yeah, I think it is interesting how to think uh, think through the consequences of how we treat um, digital assistants, especially as they get more um, more capable. Because, like, I think there's so in the one article we had looked at, like, there's one there's a sense where like the right way to treat animals, for example, is to treat them with respect because it is a reflection of how you treat people and i like i i think that applies to machines as well but i don't like but i also think there's um definitely uh um a difference in that like the current state of the art machines are often terrible and <laughs> and i i think it's fine to get angry with them or like to you know get dissatisfied with 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 the machine because it's not fulfilling the task that you want it to fulfill, right? That's Speaking of that, our Alexa this week on our thermostat just 
decided to tell us, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to do that right now. Just wholesale, <laughs> just nothing. Yeah, you can ask yeah. Alexa. And we have Googled it. We have searched it like everybody. And so my daughter like asked Alexa, Alexa, um, when did saber-toothed tiger, tigers live? Like she just wants to know this tidbit, right? Yeah. About saber-toothed tigers. She's interested. She asks Alexa. She can't really read. So this is great. Yeah. Alexa, I'm sorry, you can't do that right now. And so we're all mad. We're just yeah. all like, come on, what's wrong with you? So everyone's just raging because yeah. we can't figure out what's wrong with it. Yeah. And, and and it's connected to our furnace. So we can't, we're, it's the winter. Like you can't just <laughs> take it off and factory reset it. Right. It's like the furnace has to work. Yeah. So anyway, just real life. I We were mad. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example of where I think it's totally reasonable to, uh, to get angry with them. And like, so I, I like this came out of, I'm jumping way ahead, but because it's fresh in my head, like the 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 article was basically like, "Do you swear at Alexa?" And it's like thinking through the moral ramifications of that. Like, and I think, like I think I I, I agree that we shouldn't be just taking out our personal issues on it, and I because I don't think it actually is effective in in doing that. But but it also it's not good therapy. Yeah, it's, it's not good therapy. It doesn't really help anyone. Yeah. But uh, but I think it is totally reasonable to get angry with it because it's not fulfilling the task that it's made for. Like that's that's just like. Um, that's not really on the social level at all. That's just on the functional level. Um, and I think the current state of the art is has like hints of where it's operating on the social level, but it's really, you know, it's operating on the functional level. And to get angry with a thing because it's not performing a task on the functional level is totally fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to reframe this issue a little bit differently here. And again, switching gears, jumping ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I was thinking about it like um, there's a, it's kind of a longer quote here about um, sort of like a need for a collective agreement and sort right. of a social contract and all this sort of stuff. And you can imagine sort of like living, relying on each other kind of. And, and I don't necessarily think like everybody's sort of out there getting their own self-interest met and whatever, but there is this kind of like need to collaborate even in current society or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though people might say, oh, it's all, you know, degraded and no one relies on anyone anymore. I think there is a social contract and a fabric. But yeah. as we introduce more robots as the nodes in that social fabric, so I'm connected to, uh, you know, a robot or a machine which is connected to a person which is connected and I just wonder as robots become like it's almost like a knitted thing where you just take a thread and it's a robot and then suddenly like half of the threads are like bots and yeah I didn't know what that looked like yeah so there's a couple ways to look at that like I think one is taking the example of Twitter just because it's the most common like experience i think where people interact with bots and uh both in in the good way and the bad way because i think like the the article like to me seemed optimistic because it kind of points out where like bots in their best form raise the level of human altru altruism like in that if they're programmed to um to reinforce good behavior then like it, it it kind of raises the dialogue completely and i think like that's where like twitter is a good example because like they had 
they had <laughs> they still have Content, Mo- mod- mediation moderation is still moderation. a thing you know like yes. so moderation not mediation yeah whatever. if, if <laughs> it's mediating if it's moderation. done well it's going to raise the level the 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 standard of dialogue right um yeah. it won't reinforce these negative loops that we see in like more er- early primitive ai systems that get in like get in these negative reinforcement loops it kind of breaks those and and set, raises the dialogue but you also get a lot of bots that are actively trying to do the opposite right like they're they're t- dragging everyone down viewpoints yeah, yeah. It cultivates in a direction so by reinforcing in a certain direction so yeah it be yeah like for certain political parties or certain viewpoints or certain sort of yeah conspiracy yeah. theories maybe i don't know like anything right uh, uh, yeah and there's a whole field of like I, I think this is not entirely related to ai but there's a whole like a concept in technology about like dark patterns and these are like patterns that are common because they're effective but they're negatively like they're also reinforcing negative behavior and like some of them have become ubiquitous like pop-ups pop-overs in on the web like they're they're just like so annoying to me personally but they're very effective and so they it's just this dark pattern that's constantly like it's just not going away because it is effective um and like and other systems like kind of converge on these dark patterns that you know i've I've, that's just like yeah i don't know if there's a way around it other than like uh this constant push and pull of like well this is just too much for me so i'm going somewhere else or you know like or that that kind of like feedback of like um like you can't just squash the dark patterns wholesale because because they're serving a need right um yeah and i i don't know if this fits in but just sort of taking this out of technology i was kind of thinking about this like uh oh this isn't too like uh, motivated by some viewpoint but i i was just thinking of it like fast food yeah (laughs) Like, it's not good for you. Like, really, it's it's not like it doesn't probably make you feel your best. I know when I go eat some drive through, I feel gross. Yeah. Usually like it work. It'll do the trick, but I don't feel like awesome. Yeah. And if I eat it a lot, I certainly don't feel awesome. And, um, you know, it's definitely eating fresh food is like better. Yeah. (laughs) But to say we need to like sort of ban um, fast food as a policy um you know there's like a lot of implications there it's like it's cheap for one thing so yeah. what does that mean like you're not allowed to eat cheap food now like um and it's quick and does the trick so i you know the, i just kind of see that as like a sort of i don't know just looking out my window seeing fast food restaurants it's like an example out there that to me is a dark pattern <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and, and the problem just like with fast food like it on the on the web and in a lot of technologies is there's not there's not a clear dividing line between what is um you know what what is a out, outright like bad thing for humanity and what is necessary to accomplish a task like 
uh, on the web, I'm thinking specifically of one example that I just hit. Like, is that like, I'm sure you've seen Medium, the art, like the online article publishing platform. Oh, yeah. They like to send me articles every week. Yeah. So like, I think it's, a, I think it's great overall, but I think it's also like, um, it's a company that's trying to make money. And so like, if you log into Medium, like, you'll you get five articles a month or something like that and then the fifth like i was actually looking up a reference while doing work and the specific thing i was looking at was on medium and i'd hit the five articles a month and i was like oh, oh well man. this is ter- it to me <laughs> yeah no and, and and so i i just opened up my personal laptop googled it or you know googled the same article read it there and then like kept going but it's like it's it's not like i i understand they need to make money and they need a way to make money um same with the nags on wikipedia once in a while like they're they're like extremely like um over the top but they're not like i i get it they need to make money i i think it is a dark pattern that um that's serving a use and so you can't just ban it outright yeah or maybe they should have checked their business model proposition before they started nagging all of us yeah it was like could you just (laughs) not like could you just have come up with a better solution before then you just guilt tripped us every time i open wikipedia like take a chill pill (laughs) anyway yeah um i want to talk about i hope um, you're okay with me going into this part, but I, I liked what you had written um, following this article about the um, do you swear at Alexa? If you want to say more about that, that's fine. But I think the two sort of like our negative reactions and you're sort of like what types of negative reactions we have, I think this is worth going over. Yeah, so I, initially my reaction was like there's two types of reactions, but I, I think that I kind of expanded that a little into three um, like one was the, the first one we had already talked about was like that functional level when when the system just doesn't do the task it's designed for that's that's totally fine to to get angry with it on that level uh, and then the second one which I had kind of lumped into the emotional reaction but I, like I think it's different because like um, when when the system fails to meet our expectations that's kind of a gray area where it's like, well, we got into this thing thinking it would do X or whatever, like maybe with chat GPT, like we think it'll like write everything for us and be done with it. And and that's just like us coming in with a wrong expectation of what it can and should do in our lives. And I think that's, that's where we kind of, we maybe get angry with ourselves or with the system, but it's kind of one of those things where we just need to recalibrate. And I think that's yeah, kind of... Yeah, or it's kind of like, say you download a, a fitness app or something that has workouts for you and it uses AI to generate workouts or whatever. It's going to give you stuff based on the information you put in, but it's yeah. not looking at your form. Like if you injure yourself, that's kind of on you. Yeah. Um, because like, but so if you had, say, if you were... I'm not like trying to advocate, (laughs) didn't become like a sort of rallying cry for personal trainers. But, you know, if you had somebody looking at you while you did it, it would be like, ah, just, you know, just change your hips here. You're going to do yourself an injury or whatever. Yeah. Um, But blaming the app 
for the sort of deadlift related injury that yeah. you did to yourself because it doesn't it wasn't really like you can't now I see there's like these new mirrors or whatever that like look at you or you exercise in front of so maybe it will correct your form but it's kind of like I don't know that's kind of on you right you yeah the risks yeah yeah so that that one's like the middle ground where it's like there you may get angry um but it, it's unclear like you know it's, it's something where you probably need like in real life solutions and or or you know to look for an app that actually does what you expected the thing it does like there may be a solution to that but it, it's it's one of that like it's that cognitive dis- dissonance of being in the place where you think you have the system but you're you know um trying to make it do a thing that it wasn't made to do and like uh, it being in technology you see this a lot because people like sometimes use use systems in ways that are completely unexpected and sometimes <laughs> sometimes they actually work and it's like wow this is amazing i thought you were going to use the word incomprehensible so <laughs> <laughs> i'm you were more generous with it. just like <laughs> no the, the example words. i would be like what are you doing <laughs> yeah the example that comes to mind is like how businesses can use spreadsheets in like thoroughly unexpected ways that are like way beyond what I would think a spreadsheet is suitable to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes with, I think we've actually talked about this one sometimes with hilariously bad results, you know, like when you're actually um, pushing the limits of what a spreadsheet is designed for. Um, And then, yeah. And then the third one is just like emotional regulation. And I think this is one where it's like not reasonable to get like it's not reasonable to get angry with a system for your own bad attitude or p- poor mood or <laughs> your own whatever. But this is exactly what we get in human your relations. Your own unresolved childhood trauma. Yeah, exactly. Like we get the same exact same thing in human relationships. Like sometimes, you know, you, you just someone is in a bad mood and you like you you just oh. back off and you're like okay this is not about what's currently happening so yeah like i was so mean to my poor husband yesterday <laughs> last night i was like i don't know and it was just every i was mad at everyone for i'm like hey you you exist i'm mad <laughs> yeah know? yeah um and it just he, he was like yeah i was like so this morning i said well, sorry about that kind of crazy rant i went on he said yeah at one point you told me you were never watching tv again i was like oh no like it went dark <laughs> yeah. it's like i just kind of whoa but yeah it's not about the issue in that case <laughs> yeah and so i like i think i think that's where the article didn't really like distinguish between those types of reactions like i think like I think there is a good question about whether these systems like you should be taking out your unresolved emotional regulation or emotional issues on it but I I also don't think it's like 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 I said I don't think it's effective at that like I don't think people feel satisfied when they (laughs) take something out of uh, but it's also something I don't really have experience with because I've never really seen people you know uh, I, I guess I'm just reading into the article thinking maybe that's what they're talking about. Yeah, uh, I feel like you've given me a segue that I didn't know if I wanted to take or not, um, which is that, like, and I don't think we can be like, 
Well, what would be great is if everyone in society didn't have like bad emotional regulation, but I know from raising children um, that everyone has a hard time regulating emotions and adults sometimes do a better job of it, Yeah. sometimes not. And like you can learn to regulate emotions, but not everyone learns those tools and not everyone has someone to validate their feelings and emotions and tell them like, that's hard, you know, but get through it and that all that kind of stuff. So I just wonder if it's like, if people have negative hard time regulating bad emotions, maybe just taking those out on robots is like not the worst thing that could happen. Right. Uh, and this is like where it goes into, and this is this is the point where you're like, okay, I had you and now maybe lost you, but the business of like um, sort of intimacy or sex robots is where I'm kind of going. Because I'm like, if people are sort of like bad behavior, but they're acting it out on right. robots, can we be like okay with that? Right. Um, and like, you know, assuming that people are just like, like a lot of people got a lot of issues. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. And and the exact same thing comes up, comes to mind in the, um, like the whole conversation around violence in video games. Like, is this encouraging yeah. bad behavior or is it actually giving an outlet that people wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah. 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 And if you give like a sort of teenager a machine gun in a video game, that is that predictive at all of like any future violence? Like I don't like a lot of people who play those games are very sort of mild mannered individuals. Like I yeah I know lots and it doesn't sort of like, but maybe like in some cases we've talked about this on a previous one is there's like a bit of a I think of the radicalization is there's maybe a priming effect with certain people yeah um, who may be sort of predisposed to certain things. Um, predisposed to being radicalized just the internet makes it easier so yeah yeah and well the same it feels like the same topic comes up again and again across all media because i'm thinking of music as well like uh and like i i know from personal experience like metalheads are the chillest most casual <laughs> people ever because yeah. but it's it's kind of that like um, they're screaming in their music and they're not in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think there's there there is more complexity there than we would than people often give credit for, I think. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um hmm. We may have strayed a little bit far from the topic. Is there anything else from the notes you want to cover? Um Yeah, so there was one other thing that I wanted to touch on, like, um, and that's just like, I think this whole thing comes comes back to expectations, like, I, and that's where I like refining my thoughts a little on it is is I think like, um, so it, it started percolating in the earlier article about uh, the science direct one about um, yeah there was a pretty good um, article about um, it, it's building on a couple of researchers who have a theory of um, stakeholder value creation and they yeah. sort of introduce and and it's like with humans and so they use that framework and introduce AI into that about sort of creating or destroying stakeholder value through sort of AI interaction as part of a, you know, a, a business relationship, basically. So yeah, like so thoughts or whatever. Yeah. So the the idea I had was like from this one, I found this and many other articles, papers like it, 
it's unclear what type of AI they're talking about. Like, um, be, and and it's important not to mix the types of AI and the types of problems and solutions that they're coming up with. So, like, um, one example would be like where they say the shift to granting AI granting agency or decision to AI computer programs leads to whatever ne negative con negative or positive consequences. And I think like being precise about that, like what agency and decision making are you actually talking about? Because it's extremely different to say like uh, an AI has agency to trade on the stock market automatically, like do these things that are well-defined and like that it can do way better than humans can do right that's yeah that that's yeah. A, a type of agency that's different than like uh executive level stakeholder decisions that like we definitely or don't making want making the final call on who gets insurance payouts yeah like that like stuff that has sort of ethical considerations <laughs> yeah so there is a whole spectrum of things there that i think it's important to be precise about what we're talking yeah. about in the, in that sense or the decision to like do some um, like mining exploration or something like that, like something with like a very comp, like we're going to build right. the business in this way or whatever. We're yeah. Invest in this kind of power production or something, which is a bit different than a limited sort of trade on the stock market thing. Yeah. Or the other example I thought of, of was like chatbots on like, um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them. They're, they're, pretty common now in in that yeah, like when you when you go to a website or have some like, product hey, or whatever hey can i help you and you get the first few steps done by an ai right like they're, they're just like figuring out what the problem is how to direct the the thing yeah and those can be like those can range from super frustrating to actually super helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. i like i think but i don't think they're like when we're talking about those things, we're not thinking about like, oh, this is like um, completely changing the game on how people interact. Like it, it's it's small steps, I think. Right. It's, it's yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I like I think there's like there's definitely concerns there. Like, is this actually increasing stakeholder value as they were trying to say in the in the article like i think don't you just love academic papers i love how you're just like telling the phds to be more precise i just love it <laughs> well yeah and the whole idea of, of like stakeholders i think can be this sort of nebulous term that i'm like okay if we're mm -hmm. precise about what we're talking about the thing doing we can also be precise about who it's affecting right like by just saying, by being more fuzzy about what it's doing and more fuzzy about who it's affecting, I don't think that increases the the value of the research. I think it's like we uh, that 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 was my sense of the article anyway. Is like I I really want it to be more precise about what it's doing so that we can be precise about who it's affecting, because it like it definitely can affect people other than just the the, the frontline users like you may not have to hire as much support staff if it's if it's like getting things to that next level of um of support or even like solving the problem without involving a support person like 
that would definitely affect employees that could affect executives it could affect a lot of people depending on what it's doing right yeah yeah okay well i think we should probably wrap it up yeah (laughs) there um yeah yeah i I feel like we probably could get it more into the like into the emotional relationship i think maybe or like what function they serve in in our lives like i think this is maybe something that we could dig deeper into because i don't feel entirely like we address that like because it's a complex topic it's like some trying to predict the future and some uh just like like we're neither of us are therapists we don't know like what emotional role these things are playing in people's lives Uh, yeah and if you listen to the whole episode of hard fork the second part is about the um the uh, horror movie Megan, uh, which yeah. is this, like girl who forms a relationship with this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I have a phone ringing in the background here. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I just think in terms of like forming like close emotional bonds and relationships, there's there. You're right. There probably is more to be explored there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I think it's good to leave it there, though. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks for chatting, Heather. Okay. We'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human V Robot wherever you find your podcasts. 